This is Acast Recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favourite shows. And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big, short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Mirror Football Podcast. We come to you after another Champions League midweek and uh, the English teams are dominant once again. Uh, I'm Aaron Flanagan, hosting today, joined once again by James Whalen and uh, we have a, I'm going to call him a special guest, uh, Alex Richards can't be with us unfortunately today. Uh, we're joined by Thomas Bristow, another one of our Mirror Football writers. Uh, how are you doing Tom? Hello, yeah, very well, are you? Yeah, very good. Um, Tom, interestingly enough, um, very recently has been trying out um, you know, these vests that uh, Premier League footballers wear. Um, Tom, could you tell us a, a bit about them? Because you see Premier League footballers wear them all the time, mm. these like little black vests that are almost like sports bras in, in, in a way. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, tell me, what, what do they do? I think that's the easiest way to describe it when people ask. So you know those vests people wear? That's exactly it. So the first thing you need to learn is to, is to ignore the actual vest. It's the technology. There's a little pouch in the back of the the back of it where a pod sits. Now essentially the pod is it's quite large, so you can't wear it on your your wrist like you could with something you know, like you know like a watch or a, a Fitbit or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it sits in the back, and the reason why it's a little bit bigger is because it monitors your your speed, uh, your stamina. Um, your endurance, everything like that, and it's a GPS, so you've got a heat map as well. Uh, I think it's something like 2,500 times a second, whereas something on your wrist can only really measure like one to two times a second. So that's why it sits in this this vest. Oh, that's cool. Uh, so then obviously all that technology is monitored by the coaches who uh, will then analyse the data of the footballer. So for example, are they performing where we want them to? Is the training session delivering what we want it to? Um, so as I said, it brings sprints, sprint speed, uh, distance covered, um, and as I said, a heat map as well, so they can look at positional ana- analysis as well. And it also does a first versus second half comparison, so you can see if players are dropping off, um, and maybe they're not performing as well as they should in the second half, or where they're dropping off in each half as well. Oh, interesting, and it uh, kind of a, a nice look into the an- analytic side of uh, football that maybe we, we don't get to see. Uh, Tom uh, has written a nice piece on it for Mirror Football. Uh, Tom, g- give your Twitter a plug because I know you've shared it on there if people want to find it. Uh, yeah, it's just at Thomas Bristow, and yeah. I compared myself to a pro footballer, which is another part of the one of the quirky parts of the app, so you can see how badly I compare. <laughs> it's very badly, I can confirm. <laughs> um, smashing right um, onto the Champions League, um, England. The English teams are the dominant force in in Europe right now. Um, I was having a little nosy uh, the UEFA coefficient rankings before we. Uh, came on today Uh, Man City Manchester United are higher ranked at the moment than Real Madrid Barcelona for this season anyway so at the moment UEFA are seeing City United as better than them Um, we'll start with 
City um, should have been their tough task uh, against Napoli on Tuesday, but they got through with uh, relatively ease, didn't they? Yeah, I think um, another very impressive performance from Manchester City. We've seen just how many goals um, they've been scoring in the Premier League. Uh, they didn't probably quite uh, replicate that sort of power, scoring power in front of goal um, that they have against what you'd say are some of the lesser teams in the Premier League, but still um, a ve- another very impressive performance, very professional performance. Uh, Napoli are a, a good side, I think. I think back to um, the podcast we did after the, the draw had been made for the Champions League and we said that this could be potentially a stumbling block for Manchester City. They were by far and away the best team in the third pot and you know, unfortunately for City, as we thought, um, they were paired with them. But like you say, um, they didn't have too many problems and I think they will be <clears throat> they'll be pretty confident heading back to Naples. Yeah, no, it's, a, it's certainly an intimidating atmosphere in Nap in Naples. A completely different uh, sort of game. Um, the other, obviously, Manchester team, Man United, also unbeaten, um, but not particular, not particularly the same fireworks as City. But United are impressing in a different way, aren't they, Tom? Yeah, I think. Well, Jose Mourinho said last night. He, he seems to. He seems to not understand that the criticism he gets for defensive performances. He seems to think that's a compliment, you know, keeping the clean sheets that Manchester United are doing, and it's working. If you look at it, I mean, it was a bit of a lethargic performance last night from them. However, they got the job done. They got all three points, and they're top of the group with with nine. Um, so you can't really argue with that. Um, yeah. It's funny that you mention uh, Mourinho's comments because mm-hmm. Pep's kind of done it as well. But on the other hand, with City. He's said a lot of the time when City's defence has been criticised, he's gone, no, it's the best defensive performance. So, do you remember what he said about Claudio Bravo's debut last year? He, yeah. he seems to always say it's the polar opposite. Mourinho was kind of doing that with the the defence. It's uh, I, I don't know. Are these managers just seeing completely different things to what we're seeing? Well, I've, you know, everyone's different, aren't they? And I think they are two contrasting managers, both tactically and probably as people as well. Um, Pep Guardiola is more than happy to concede five goals as long as he scores six. And I think as football fans, that's, that's what we all want to see. But, you know, you, you have to sort of play to your strengths. And, um, you know, Jose Mourinho's Manchester United side have had two huge games um, over the last few days, <coughs> going to Anfield and, and, then, uh, and then in Lisbon last night. And to, to take four points from those two games, albeit across two different competitions, um, and not concede a goal, I think Mourinho will be very pleased with that. Um, albeit they got a bit of luck last night, um, did have a howler from the young keeper, but um, ultimately they all look the same on the scoreboard. And United are pretty much in the last 16 with only half of the games played. I think yeah. it's interesting what you were saying about are we seeing something different to what the managers are seeing? I, firstly, a manager is never going to criticise his own tactics. If Pep Guardiola ships five goals, he's going to say it's the greatest defensive performance because. That's the tactics he set up with. Just like Mourinho, if he keeps a clean sheet, that's that's his doing. Um, on the back of what James just said, I think as much as what everyone made of Mourinho's tactics against Liverpool, regardless of his reputation against the teams at the top of the table, to go to Anfield and get a point is a good result, whatever way you look at it. Yes, it might not be the most attractive football, but it is a good result. So we mentioned the manager's comments. Mourinho's mind games have kind of come into... Everything again. I don't know if you've seen what oh, Antonio Conte's almost spat his dummy out a little bit about. Uh, I'm not 100 percent sure what Mourinho said, but uh, Mourinho he, he's got a way of getting into people's minds, hasn't he? 
Well, I think Mourinho came out last night and um, made a comment about other managers crying mm-hmm. at their injuries, <laughs> yeah. um, which you know you have to you have to laugh because the amount of times Mourinho's done that <laughs> just this season alone is yeah. is quite staggering. Um, so you know, I think he's a master at that, isn't he? He's a, he's a master of of getting into other managers' heads, um, just like Sir Alex Ferguson was uh, during his trophy laden tenure at Old Trafford and. Uh, you know, I think if I was a Manchester United fan, I'd, I'd quite, I'd quite like that. Yeah. If if you were a United fan, um, would you swap Mourinho right now for Pep Guardiola? Uh, as a Man United fan, if I was one, no, I wouldn't. No. He's doing a job there. You, you can see what he did last season. He's rebuilding it. Okay, fine. They finished sixth in the league, but they won Europa League. They won the League Cup, two trophies in the first season, and you can see what he's doing this season as well. Um, okay, the last two results haven't been uh, particularly exciting, but before that they were smashing teams 4-0 nearly every single game. And that, as you say, is the United of old. Um, he's doing a great job there, personally, I think, and I, I wouldn't, yeah, no, I wouldn't swap him. I think they're, they're, very, they're very different managers, aren't they? And, um, Pep... <coughs> I don't think Pep would be able to do what he's doing at Man City across town. Um, he hasn't got the same <coughs> calibre of attacking players, I don't think. Uh, Manchester United have got an incredible striker, one of the best in the world, one of the best number nines in the world. Uh, they've got a very good player in Henrik Mkhitaryan behind him. But I think the the sheer plethora of, of attacking talent that City have got, Aguero and, and Jesus playing together is scary. Um, yeah. De Bruyne pulling the strings, David Silver, who for me is still the best footballer in the Premier League Raheem Sterling and Leroy Sane on the other side who can't stop scoring yeah, so yeah. I, I don't I don't think Pep would be able to do what he's doing at City at United so I, I tend to agree with Tom I think United fans would be more than happy with how things are going I'll tell you what I think the only reason why United fans would want Pep Guardiola in charge at Old Trafford at the moment would be because a lot of them are dying to see Lukaku up front with Martial one side and Rashford the other, which still has yet to happen yeah. uh, from a starting lineup so far this season. Yeah, he's very adamant he's either playing either Rashford or Martial mm. uh, down the left. Which has worked uh, very well so far, admittedly. But yeah. I think United fans are just dying to see both that, that pace, yeah. frightening pace. I think for myself there's a bit of an inconsistency issue with Martial especially. He does it off the bench, but you know he's, he's very much an impact player. Uh, but he should get his chance this weekend uh, when United go to Huddersfield anyway was obviously Rashford has picked up an injury um, from there um, looking at the odds uh, for the Champions League Man City are the big movers on the back of this week uh, they're down to 6-1 to one to go and win the whole competition they were 8 previously and have been pretty much since the start United remain at 12-1 to one. Um, do we fancy that either of them could go all the way and win the Champions League? I think City could I actually do. I think that, as as we just was alluding to, <clears throat> the the sheer firepower they have, um, <clears throat> I I think they could outscore Real Madrid. You know, they're going to concede goals, but over over the course of two legs, how many times can they score? That's going to be the question with City. And if if that forward line of four or five players, however it may be, on any one time fighters, I think they do have the firepower to get past the big teams in Europe. So on the back of that, do you say six to one's a, a good bet? Then? I think it's about right. I think it's about right. Yeah, Tom, how, how, how do you do? You think City can win it? Uh, they've got a good chance. Yeah, my only my only worry is their defence. Um, but as James said, if they can outscore their opponents, then 
I guess that necessarily doesn't matter unless away goals or something like that comes into it later on. But um, it's just so hard to look past you know the Real Madrids and the Barcelonas of this world. I think it's been so long since England was such a force in that competition. You know, you, you sort of got used to it. I mean, it's gone. The competition's gone to Spain the last four years yeah. with Real Madrid winning three of those. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's hard to hard to look at City, but I think they've got they've got a genuine chance. Yeah, Real Madrid uh, still the favourites. Actually, joint with odds now uh, with Paris Saint Germain uh, nine to two. Uh, we'll talk very briefly about PSG uh, a little later on. Barcelona six to one along with uh, Manchester City. Elsewhere, as far as Premier League teams are concerned, Chelsea were involved in a bit of a thriller. Uh, I definitely picked the right game to watch last night. I was really unsure what to watch. I almost watched United. So thank God I didn't. Good call. Thank God I didn't because um, it was a bit of a kind of a, a bit of a classic between Chelsea and Roma. Um, does the fact that Chelsea were pegged back from two 0 up perhaps highlight their weaknesses? Yeah, maybe. Um, although. I think Roma are a, a very decent European team. Um, they're gonna they'll cause anyone problems, and uh, I think Chelsea did a lot of good things actually in that game. Um, David Luiz opened the scoring wonderfully. Um, you know I can't think of many centre halves that can jump into play like he can. His first shot's blocked. He doesn't retreat. He goes back in. He gets the ball, and he fires into the bottom corner. Um, Edin Dzeko's second goal. No, sorry, it was his first or his second, the one the one over his head. The volley, that was yeah. that was his first yeah, goal his, with Roma's yeah, second. Yeah, that's right. His first goal um was if you've not seen it, go and check it out. It was one of the goals of the season, probably the goal of the season so far. Um reminded me a lot of uh Robin Van Persie's goal for Manchester United. Um against Villa. Yeah, when yeah. Rooney pinged the pass from the halfway line, I think it was Rooney. Yeah. And Van Van Persie over his shoulder with his left foot. Yeah. Very similar. Great goal. Um, so yeah, go and check that out. But yeah, I think, like I said, Chelsea did a lot of good things, and you know, you can sort of question the fact they've gone two 0 up and and they haven't seen the game out. But um, equally, having gone three two down from that position, um, they've shown a lot of character to to go and to battle back and and get a point. So um, I don't think Antonio Conte will be too unhappy. No, of course. And Golo Conte obviously is missing for a number of weeks. Still, I think. I think we regard him as one of the best players in the Premier League. Yeah. Uh, do they have the, the strength and depth in their squad to replace him, or in fact, is these next four or five weeks so that he's going to be gone? Actually, a really worrying time for Chelsea. Well, I, I don't think you can replace him per se, but I mean, obviously, they signed back Yoko, who I think's done okay. I don't think he's set the world alight or anything like that. Um, but that will come in time. Obviously, he's a new player. Um, selling the Manu match was obviously a huge surprise, considering he would have been perfect to. Just sort of slip into the Angelo Kante role. Um, Cesc Fabregas is obviously a centre midfielder, but more of an attacking one, so he's not going to do what Kante did. Um, David Luiz could slot into the defensive centre midfield role, um, but in my my personal opinion of, of Luiz, he's he's not a defensive centre midfielder. I don't think I think he gets a bit lost there. I think he bombs forward a bit too often. He does that enough as a centre back anyway, let alone as a defensive midfielder. Um, so it, I think they are going to struggle a little without Kante. I think they they always would because of the player he is. Um, have they got enough? I think they have until until he comes back. Uh, Chelsea. Uh, I'll be honest. I, I don't even know what odds they are to win the Champions League. I, I only look to the the, the top lot. Do, do we think Chelsea can go all the way? Because 
nobody's really mentioned them this season going and winning like these big you know even really winning the Premier League because of the Manchester team's dominance can Chelsea surprise teams in Europe because they got a very impressive result at Atletico Madrid they show decent character after going kind of going behind against Roma surely they're showing the attributes of a team that would do well in cup competition yeah and they've got a good pedigree in the Champions League <clears throat> obviously going and winning it um, under Roberto Di Matteo uh, when no one expected them to I think they finished fifth in the Premier League that year um, and you know in, in recent years they've gone they've gone and got big results they, they went to uh, Paris recently and and, and and you know qualified over the course of the two legs um, I don't see them winning it but you know how many times have we seen teams we don't expect to reach the latter stages get there and make an impact um, Atletico Madrid twice in recent years I think although they're a good team I don't think people picked them at the start as finalists mentioned Chelsea Liverpool all those years ago also finished fifth in the Premier League when they won it uh, Borussia Dortmund against the final um, against Bayern Munich so you know don't rule them out I don't see them winning it but uh, as we said you know, teams have surprised us before Absolutely uh, I briefly mentioned Chelsea's obviously win in Atletico Madrid. Chelsea not the only ones to secure an impressive result in Madrid this season. What a great uh, midweek for Tottenham uh, going to Real Madrid, mm. the Bernabeu, and getting a, a one-all draw. That's a superb result for Tottenham. Yeah, what impressed me most about Tottenham was that they actually played genuine football out there. They didn't go and park the bus. They didn't they didn't hold back. They actually attacked Real Madrid, um, and they could have had more than one goal. And I, I was, I was surprised as well as impressed that they actually went there and did that. But they, they not only uh, did it, but they're capable of doing it as well. The fact that Pochettino went there with the tactics in mind and and pulled off a result like that, I think was fantastic. Um, I think I was, I think a lot of people were expecting a bit of a drubbing when they saw Winks and Sissoko line up in centre midfield. Not that there's anything wrong with Winks, but obviously a little bit of experience. Um, hasn't faced a team like Real Madrid before you're missing you know, key players like Moussa Dembele um, and I think yeah I think it was a fantastic result it, it wasn't it wasn't by any means a stripe jumper and balaclava job either you know they, they were fully worth the point um, they did have chances to win it in the second half um, a wonderful save from um, Keylor Navas to deny Harry Kane tipping it around the post although not as good as uh, Hugo Lloris' save which was yeah. Um, you know, like David Hayes before uh, at Anfield, but probably twice as good. It was amazing. Um, but you know, like Tom said, they, they were very impressive. Um, I think um, John Cross wrote a piece after the game saying it was um, a bit of an acid test for both Tottenham and Pochettino, uh, and that can they can they compete with Europe's elite? We've seen them um, challenge for the title the last two years now and, and fall short. They want to do it again this year. Um, and you know they passed it with flying colours. They they matched Real Madrid for a lot of that game. Good stuff. Is there a can Spurs in a way go under the radar in Europe? Because in England in the Premier League we know how good they are. Like, we've seen them finish almost second a couple of years ago. They actually finished second last year. They really are a force in the Premier League. Do maybe Europe not consider them a top team? And there's every chance they could catch teams at the hop and, and do something in the competition. I still think there's a lot of Premier League teams and fans that don't consider them a top team I still think there's a lot of fans out there that, that don't I think that have the likes of Arsenal um, particularly United and Liverpool of recent seasons have been poor and that's why Spurs are higher 
Now, I, I disagree with that. I think Spurs have been fantastic. But as a result, that kind of mentality probably will seep through into the, the bigger stages of Europe. Um, having said that, I think everybody's starting to learn about Harry Kane across the world now. He's you know he's done it in England for the last three seasons consistently. He's now proving it um, in the Champions League, scoring a hat trick. Wasn't in game week two, I think. Yeah, um, against uh, Applewell. Uh, and even Zinedine Zidane was saying he's the complete player. I think it was saying, um, which is a you know a hell of a compliment from you know one of the best players and and now coaches in the world. So I think he he will he's going to bring Spurs to the, the forefront. But I understand what you're saying. I understand yeah. what you're saying because there was a few seasons ago when they were in the Champions League, and all of a sudden they beat AC Milan in the knockout stages. I think it was. Yeah, it's, it's AC was it Inter or am I thinking? They had Inter I think in the, the Inter in the groups uh, when uh, I think they lost four three in the San Siro. Gareth Bale scored a hat trick. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, then they yeah. beat AC in the Peter last Crouch. sixteen and lost to Real Madrid in the last eight. I think. Yeah. But it's it, it was again no one expected them to sort of come through against AC Milan but then they did and I think I can, I can see a similar thing happening here. Absolutely. Uh, you mentioned Harry Kane. Uh, we've talked about Harry Kane numerous times on this podcast. I'm of the belief he's world class. James, I think you are also of the belief. Tom, you just a newcomer. What's your opinion? World class, yes or no? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. No. I think he's a modern day Alan Shearer. I think he's not blessed with pace, but I think he's got a devastating finish he's good in the air he knows how to find the back of the net and that's the most important thing for a man of his position do, do we think he's going to leave Spurs come the end of the season bear in mind he, his value is come the end of the season could be even higher than Neymar's transfer fee so it'd have to be a major major move but that's, that's the reason I, I don't I don't think he'll leave this at the end of this season um, I mean you, you mentioned Tom um, Zinedine Zidane um, you know, sort of lavishing him with praise, and uh, although that's quite flattering, I don't think Tottenham fans have probably quite wanted to hear it because I think realistically, Real Madrid are probably the only club that are going to get him. Uh, you don't see him fitting into um, Barcelona. Um, I think PSG will have to tighten the purse strings, otherwise FIFA are going to come knocking. Uh, Bayern Munich don't think they have the capital that's going to be required to get Harry Kane out of Tottenham. Um, Neymar has changed the complete yeah. landscape of, of transfers with his two hundred million pound move. You know they're gonna have to pay that to to get him out of there. And Daniel Levy is n- notoriously, um, you know, he, he wants to hold on to his players, and that's why I don't think he'll leave. Absolutely. I mean, interesting. You alluded to only European teams there. Man City and Man United are two of the biggest spenders in the world. Yeah. It, it, do if he moves, do you reckon? He would stay in the Premier League, or do you think if he's in the Premier League, he's gonna he's gonna play for Spurs? I can't see Levy selling to a Premier League team. I just I just can't. I mean, and again, I I don't think particularly. I I definitely don't think he fits in at City. Uh, you know, Pep Guardiola doesn't play with a, a big striker. He just never has done. Mm-hmm. And you know, even um, at, at Bayern Munich, he, he never really saw eye to eye with Robert Lewandowski. Um, you know, you look at his Barcelona teams very diminutive players and you know he'd fit in at United but they've got Romelu Lukaku and I you know, can't see him playing together No, I mean I, I can't, he's definitely not going to leave at the end of the season I mean I say that he probably will now wouldn't he but, um, <laughs> uh, I can't see him will he at some point he could if he carries on playing this way I mean how old is he he's only 24 isn't he so he, you know they say you know you don't hit your peak till you're what 28 27 yeah. so in a couple of years time if Real Madrid come in with a 
my god what would it be then 400 million bid or something like that um, <laughs> flick a number out thin air yeah uh, half, a, half a billion um, yeah. then maybe yeah he could go but this season no I can't see him leaving it's possibly it's kind of a little bit depressing that the word billion has just been used as a potential transfer <laughs> fee and yes. that's actually realistic as well which <laughs> yeah. is utterly absurd one final Premier League team uh, was in Champions League action Liverpool will probably feel a little disheartened that they went and scored seven, and yet they are the last team we're talking about. It was probably the least newsworthy story of the day, which says everything about how well the Premier League has, has done this week. But Liverpool scoring seven, they really needed that, didn't they? They did. Um, I watched I watched quite a lot of the game, and I can't stress just how bad a football team Maribor are. <laughs> um, I mean, I... I I don't know what level they'd be playing in if they were an English team, but they they were truly hopeless. Uh, but having said that, you can only beat what's put in front of you, and Liverpool were sensational with the ball going forward. Uh, they scored seven goals. They could quite conceivably have had double figures comfortably. Um, good for Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. Not had the easiest of starts to life at Anfield. He got his goal. Um, Mo Salah was impressive. You know, all the forward plays were good, but. I can't stress how bad Maribor were. No, I was going to say, the, the, I saw Maribor uh, live. I, re- I reported on Wigan against Maribor in the Europa. This is Acast Recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favourite shows. And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. A few years, but a few years back. And they got given a whole one of the massive stands at the DW Stadium for three fans behind the net just three of them there was wow. genuinely more stewards than fans um, I'd be interested to see what happens in the return leg and how many they, they take to Anfield right? I think I think Anfield's probably got a little bit more of a pull yeah. than uh, FA, FA Cup winners <laughs> Wigan <laughs> but, uh, no I, 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 absolutely uh, you mentioned Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain he's had a real real rough time of it I'll be honest he hasn't played particularly great but Klopp mm. stuck by him um, giving him his chance to shine is he uh, do we is he going to start proving the doubters wrong now? Uh, he will, I think, if he gets the chance. But how do you get in ahead of Salah, Coutinho, and well, I know Mane's injured, so maybe this is his chance. When you I mean when you got those two on the wing, and then Firmino or Sturridge up front, there's just no way he's going to get in that team. And then where do you play him as a lying midfielder role next to Henderson? Well, no, because you've got Chan and Wijnaldum. Um So it's all about his chance now. Mane, we know, is out for a, a few weeks. Um, if he can, if he can, if if Jurgen Klopp starts him for a start <laughs> and actually plays him and gives him the full ninety minutes and he produces, then he gets the ball rolling. Then yeah, I think he's an incredibly talented footballer. I think his feet are one of the quickest that we've seen in across the England team. Um, so yeah, if he gets his chance, and I think he could. I think obviously that, that's why they paid forty million for him. They see something, and Jurgen Klopp's 
notoriously got the best out of pacey players, yeah. which he is. Absolutely. Um, so we'll talk briefly about Liverpool uh, a little bit later on uh, when we preview a couple of Premier League games. Uh, just elsewhere around Europe, uh, PSG completely dominant over Andalites again. Uh, Cavani, Neymar, Mbappe, they really look like they're having fun now, don't they? Um, we had a look last night and in the three games PSG have played so far, there's only in, there's only one of the games which all three of those players haven't scored. Killian and Bap let the side down uh, in the second game. I can't remember who it was against now. Uh, Bayern? Was it yeah, Bayern? Yeah, yeah it, was, it was. Yeah, yeah. It was Bayern. Um, Cavani and Neymar both scored and Bap didn't. But in the other two games, all three of them have scored, which yeah. is, remar- is a remarkable statistic. When you were playing a front three for all three players to score... And that's happening more often than not, <coughs> literally two times out of three in the Champions League. Yeah. So, you know, any any team with that kind of fire firepower has to be, you know, considered favourites, and they they are. Uh, is it the best front line in Europe? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, I think so. Now, I think having the fact that Neymar left the Messi Suarez relationship to go to that, then yes, at the moment, I think, I think it probably is. I mean. <laughs> Having said that, Gabriel, Jesus and Sergio Aguero look, look unstoppable as well. Yeah, um, Absolutely. Um, Celtic also in that group, uh, utterly woeful at buying, but we didn't really expect anything more, did we? I think, you know, Celtic knew they were hiding to nothing when that draw came out. And um, Brendan Rodgers, as a manager, uh, he when Celtic play these lesser teams in Europe, as they did last week, uh, sorry, not last week, in the last game week, Brendan Rodgers always give them a chance to win because they're a very open team. They like to attack, and and they'll score goals. But when when you go in to Paris and Munich, you're gonna get picked apart just because of the caliber of players you're playing against, and that's that's exactly what happened. But again, that that score could have been anything. Uh, elsewhere in Europe, Barcelona uh, continued their 100% record, beating Olympiacos even with 10 men for over 45 minutes. Now, on to the Premier League. Um, the Premier League returns this weekend. I say it returns, it's only been gone a matter of days uh, for, for the Champions League. The Premier League is back uh, this weekend. There has been some major managerial news in the Premier League since we last recorded, and that is that Craig Shakespeare has ruined absolutely everybody's bets who had Ronald Koeman as the next manager to leave his post. Uh, Craig Shakespeare sacked by Leicester. We didn't see that one coming, did we? I, I actually didn't at all. Um, it took me completely by surprise. Um, Leicester haven't had a good start, granted, but they've, they've had a very tough start. And I don't think performances have actually been that bad. Uh, Jamie Vardy did an interview um, after the, after well, prior to the uh, West Brom game saying you know, he, was, he was pretty confident the performances had come. Um, you know, they, they, they had a really difficult start against good teams and had come out with not many points, but... But the displays had been quite promising, and then, you know, they weren't great against West Brom, but again showed a bit of character to, to battle for a point after Nasser Chadley had fired, uh, fired the baggies in front. But you know, they're very impatient owners at Leicester. We've we've seen it time and again. Uh, you know, I think we all lost faith in football a little bit when Claudio Ranieri got the sack. So we probably shouldn't have been too surprised by this. But. Yeah, I mean, you say that when Ranieri was sacked. I wasn't surprised. I mean, yes, it was harsh. Yes, it was probably the wrong thing to do, but I, I, it just wasn't surprising for me. This 
was surprising. Leicester, for me, are performing as Leicester should do, as Leicester are, you know, performing to the level. Maybe underachieving slightly, but it's not not a disaster. Um, so a, a bit of a weird call. T- Tom, do, do you think it's the right decision to get rid of Shakespeare? Uh, I was surprised as well, personally. I think, you know, under Ranieri, around the time he was sacked, I thought they were going for a bit of a, a dismal spell, obviously. Um, and I thought Craig Shakespeare managed to get the Leicester old or the title-winning Leicester playing to back how they how they were. Um, but yeah, as you say, it just seems like it only takes six or seven performances now, and then the owners are there scratching their heads, trying to trying to figure out a solution. And I, I thought it was the wrong decision. I think he's given more time. He might not have the proven track record that, uh, or history that other managers do. But yeah, I was surprised. I was surprised. Um, the two favourites uh, for the job to take over from Shakespeare at Leicester, uh, Chris Coleman and Sean Dyche, you can get two to one odds wise on both of them taking over. Out of the two of them, if Coleman and Dyche are your options, who would you prefer to take over? I'd say Coleman. Ah, uh, I'd go Dyche. Oh, so right, okay. Go. Oh, they, they, that's, that's <laughs> I, think, I think just Sean Dyche has proved himself in the Premier League the last couple of years, um, I think, with Burnley. Um, a, a squad not blessed with talent but very difficult to beat uh, their home record last year was phenomenal and this year they've, they've turned that on its head and started picking up results away as well so um, Chris Coleman did a decent job at Fulham um, but he's been out of the game a long time in terms of club management especially in this country um, and you know he's likely going to sign a new contract with Wales not that I th- think Sean Dyche should go to Leicester either so I don't think either of those are going to happen but. No, absolutely. you say Coleman is this just on, on the back of what he's done with Wales do you think he can he can yeah, rally Leicester yeah I think so I think obviously he's got a very good like sort of man management style um, I think the other reason was because I was thinking from the perspective of Sean Dyche why would he want to move there you know he's, he's done pretty well at Burnley maybe he can set his sights slightly higher uh, than Leicester I mean why would you want to move to somewhere where you you potentially only got like what six months to prove yourself. That's yeah, not enough time to plant your management style in anywhere. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, if I was Leicester's chief, I'd be looking at probably Coleman over over Dice. Yeah. As you say, I think he did a fantastic job with Wales, and everyone remembers, as, as James said, what he did with Fulham. Yeah. Um, with Dice, uh, do we think maybe th- you say why would he leave Burnley? Do you reckon maybe in the back of his mind he's thinking? I've taken Burnley to the absolute limit, the absolute peak of where I can possibly take this club. And maybe he has to look for, you know, if you're going to build, keep on building his own reputation, he does have to look elsewhere from Burnley now. I, I agree. I, I understand what you're saying. But I think Leicester would be a risk, in, in my opinion. I think he could do somewhere with a little bit more solidarity, somewhere maybe even a bit higher in the league. Yeah, a little bit more, little bit more finance as well, I think. Maybe wait for the Everton job. Precisely. Which yeah. seems like it is going yeah, to come which up again the... would be a, a nice step. Up. That would be that would feel like I think a more natural progression, and that'd be a, a great job for him as well. Do you reckon he'll clear his throat though? Um, <laughs> I think that man has the biggest supply of cough sweets you could imagine. It's like he, he's gravel for breakfast. Or something. <laughs> I know. I'm a big, big, big fan of Sean Dyche, um, and especially the job he's doing with Burnley, which has been absolutely. Remarkable this season, and it's quickly fair play to Burnley for sticking with him when they got relegated because he got them straight back up again. And not a lot of clubs will do that. You get relegated, you get fired, but they stuck with him and they were rewarded yeah. with that as well. Yeah. There's every chance actually if Burnley were to lose Dice, whether it be to Leicester, Everton, or you know, elsewhere in the future, Burnley could fall into almost the sacking culture thing because when the 
bat- battling to get it right. Mm. You know, it's so hard to. Um, well, I mean, so hard not to change things. If, if a manager comes in struggles, you, it's really the quick fix. But uh, it'll be interesting to see how that, how that happens. Uh, onto the, the the sack race itself. Ronald Koeman is now still the the odds-on favourite to leave his be the next manager to leave his post which is I mean he was 7-4 to four on he still is 7-4 to four on um, even after uh, Shakespeare um, we don't see it any other way interestingly Sean Dyche is 3-1 to one to be the next manager to leave his post I assume obviously because of the, the links to Leicester yeah. but do, do, does anyone see anyone other than Ronald Koeman being the next manager to leave yeah my, I'm, I'm, my money's on Mark Hughes oh really yeah because I don't think he's done a good enough job with the money they've spent and the players they have. I think, I think they've got a very good squad. And I don't get me wrong, I think he's a great manager, but I think, I don't know many Stoke fans or any, but I get the perception that they're getting fed up with the fact that they're not performing to where their squad level is or the money and investment that they put in. Um, and I think they should be doing so much better with the players they have. Shakiri is a fantastic player. Um and you know, you've got Jesse Rodriguez, you know, former former Real Madrid and Paris, well, currently Paris Saint-Germain, isn't he? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, if a couple more, couple more results, uh, or bad results for Stoke, I can I can easily see Mark Hughes going. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to hear Mark Hughes' thoughts. He's actually got a, a big interview in the Mirror this weekend. I'm not sure if it's going to be in the Mirror on Saturday or the Mirror on Sunday, but keep your eyes out if you are listening. There's a, a big interview with Mark Hughes uh, coming this weekend, uh, which should be. It should be interesting to hear his thoughts because he's, he's been through a lot in his career. He's mm. arguably one of the most, like I say arguably, he is one of the most experienced managers uh, in the Premier League. Uh, James, well, with Stoke, what what do you think's going, I say going wrong, is, is it going wrong or are, are they at their level? Um, I think Stoke fans would probably be a little disappointed with the season so far, but um, <clears throat> you know, I, I, don't, I don't see Hughes in, under any kind of real pressure just yet. Um, I think he's a good manager and he's got a good squad there as Tom said um, I fully expect them to to pick up um, start picking up results um, I think they recruited well in the summer Hesse Rodriguez was a, a very good signing and Zuma on loan yeah, as well. and, uh, yeah I think Hesse is a very um, he's a very stuck under Mark Hughes signing as well yeah. the likes of Shakiri, um, Bojan mm. very you know diminutive talented players on the ball and and uh, I think once it starts clicking, they, they will be fine. Yeah, Stoke, interesting playing Bournemouth uh, this weekend. Another team who really haven't quite got going this season. Um, either way, if either Stoke win or Bournemouth win, could we be seeing more pressure on either manager, no matter kind of which way the result goes? Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right. Um, if, you know, if Stoke lose at home to Bournemouth, I think then he just, then he starts getting under a bit of pressure because that would be a a pretty disastrous yeah. result. Um, fully expect Stoke to win that game. Uh, Bournemouth haven't been impressive this season. Yeah, no, uh, that's um, interesting. Eddie Howe, sixteen to one, next manager to leave. We've pretty insistently said, you know, we think Howe will remain at Bournemouth. Tom, how do you see? Do you think that Howe still has a long-term future at Bournemouth, or maybe they're going to have to look for a change um, to kind of freshen it up, maybe? Yeah, I think well, I think Bournemouth would be more worried about him going elsewhere, personally, rather than rather than trying to get rid of him. Um, 
so yeah, I, I'd imagine they'll try and keep him for as long as possible. He's he's obviously proven that he's a very talented manager and a young one at that. So I wouldn't be surprised if there were a few Premier League clubs, I don't know, maybe even Leicester, snooping around trying to trying to hire him. But um, yeah, I think Bournemouth would be would be looking to keep him on for the long term, definitely. Um, a little look at the Premier League fixtures this weekend. Uh, Friday night sees uh, West Ham against Brighton. Uh, Brighton have proven a few people wrong. Uh, Brighton are doing well. Impressive result against Everton. They've had a, a few other impressive results. They've already won at home against West Brom. Um, Travelling to the London Stadium, though, uh, how do we see that one going? Well, we talk about managers under pressure. Slaven Bilic has to be right up there in, in that in that respect. And uh, if West Ham were to Certainly, if they were to lose to Brighton, I think he'd be in serious jeopardy. Um, Brighton, like you said, they've, they've picked up a few impressive results, um, mostly at the Amex. But um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't write out, I wouldn't write off them getting a point at West Ham for sure. So uh, the Saturday midday kickoff, Chelsea against Watford. Uh, we've obviously talked about Chelsea already, but Watford, what a start they're having! I think they've only lost one game, and obviously I know they conceded six to Manchester City was a pretty em- emphatic loss. But um, yeah, what a season they're having! Credit to the, the you know the Chiefs recruiting Marco Silva, who obviously did a fantastic job um, at Southampton. Uh, Hull. Hull. Yes. Hull. <laughs> Slightly different geographical uh, yeah. cities. Um, yeah, sorry, Hull, um, who did a good job. Obviously, they were relegated in the end, but everyone saw the difference that he made with them I think yeah. uh, there and I think they did very well to, to, to snap him up and you can see the difference already um, you just <laughs> you're just hoping the owners aren't going to replace him at the end of the season like they seem to consistently do yeah no there's uh, obviously a bit of a longevity um, longevity, longevity uh, issue with mm. uh, Watford and the, and the managers uh, they showed real good spirit getting back into that game against Arsenal last week though didn't they they were they were fantastic second half yeah um they did, but I, was anyone surprised to see Arsenal capitulate? Because I wasn't. No, the same old just, story. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There was just a distinct lack of backbone at that club, and um, you know, Watford, Watford were great. They took advantage of it, and I, I don't know how many times I've sung Watford's praises on this podcast. Now I think the job, as Tom alluded to, the job Marco Silva's doing is brilliant, um, and their summer recruitment was, for me, the best in the Premier League. Yeah, all right. I think uh, that that game on on Saturday I was I was in the office and I was sat next to an Arsenal fan in the office and I think when cleverly scored I, I burst out laughing. It was just it wasn't laughing. I was laughing at Arsenal. I was just laughing because it was just so inevitable. It was just so Arsenal. Um, I'll just quickly breeze breeze through uh, a few of these other fixtures: Swansea against Leicester, Stoke against Bournemouth, which we've already spoken about. Manchester City are at home to Burnley. Uh, just going to stop on that one quickly. Burnley have been so impressive away from home so far this season. All right, okay, they're going to Manchester City, but thirty-three to one, you can get on Burnley. Which there's every chance. I mean, I'll, I'll have to double check this. That I think that might be a Premier League record. I think it might be because there was, there was a Blackburn game at Old Trafford a few years back where they broke the record for like being at the longest odds, and they were like twenty-eight to one. Thirty-three, I'm pretty sure. Could be a record. I think when, when we've gone through these odds over the last few weeks, and there's been teams who were very long odds, like Bournemouth at Tottenham last week, they were like 16, 14, 16. Yeah, like 33, 33 wow. to one. I mean, yeah, and you know what? There's always one. Every club has one result 
like that each season. Every club always has one result. Um, you look at Palace and Chelsea, there's always one result which goes completely unexpected the way you're not expecting to. And, you know, you look at Man City, they're flying, they're scoring seven goals a match sort of thing. This, you know, this, this will come at exactly the time you don't expect it. Yeah, um, I, I don't know about you guys, but I'm definitely going to be having a couple of quid um, at 33 to one. I'll just put this on record: yeah. Manchester City will win the match, <laughs> or 33 to one is the available price. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I mean, but you look at Burnley; they all it takes is a City player to do something reckless, get sent off early on, a uh, bit like the Chelsea yeah, game at the start yeah, of the season, yeah, right, yeah. and you know every, everything yeah. turns. I'm definitely having a couple of quid on it. Anyway, uh, elsewhere, Huddersfield take on Manchester United. Huddersfield are now the favourites to get relegated. They're the only team odds on to be relegated this season, so which is a bit of a capitulation uh, from the start for them. They're not going to get anything against Manchester United, are they? I shouldn't think so. No, you'd like to think Manchester United are too strong. Yeah, I mean, Huddersfield they haven't been scoring a lot recently, have they? What happened to was it Mooney? He's injured. Steve, Stephen Mooney. Mooney. Yeah. Mooney. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he looked handy. Yeah, uh, he did. Uh, he scored a great goal against Palace on the opening yeah. day. Um, but no, they've been playing. Uh, is it called Depotre or Depoitre? Depoitre. But I mean, while they can't score, yeah. they're not going to threaten anyone. Yeah. I mean, leave I mean, that alone, man. Right. The, the fact that I can't don't know how to pronounce their striker <laughs> says how often we've heard about their strikers. Mm. So it probably uh, uh, emphasises the point. Uh, also on Saturday, Newcastle against Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace is now evens to be relegated, which is ridiculous. It's amazing what one win can this do. Is, this is the first Mirror Football podcast we've done after Palace have scored a goal. Oh, that's great. Yeah, Well done, Palace. Thank you for <laughs> catching up with, to everybody. But, I mean, it, we definitely didn't expect it. We, we, brushed, no. we brushed past last week the Palace against Chelsea fixture because... We were like, yeah, done. They're Palace not gonna, won't they're score. Not gonna win. They're not going to score. Yeah, Palace's season starts next week, <laughs> sort of thing, doing all that. Uh, super fantastic for them. I'm just so glad Zaha kept scored because otherwise, you know, it was no goal, wasn't it? It's still One of their players still wouldn't have scored. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and on Sunday, uh, Everton against Arsenal almost. I mean, Ronald Cohen might not make it to Sunday. Uh, we're recording just before Everton play in the Europa League, so uh, there's every chance that. You know, he, he could be gone after get beat. after a disappointing result uh, at Lyon. Um, then the big game to finish Super Sunday, which you know it's a cracking Super Sunday game. Tottenham against Liverpool. Mm. Um, just quick predictions for that one: Tottenham, Liverpool, two teams that you know should be in and around the top four. Uh, which way do we think it's going to go? Tottenham just. Tottenham just. Tottenham just. I think I'm going to be boring, sit on the fence. I'm going to go draw, but I think it's going to be like a, a bit of a thriller, two all. I think. It's got goals. That's what we want to see. We want to see goals. Uh, Tottenham eleven to ten to win that game. Uh, Liverpool twenty three to ten. So the bookmakers can't really uh, split them. Uh, just before we go, uh, James is going to run us through the championship because there's a few more big fixtures coming up. Uh, the lead of the championship changed last week. Uh, Wolves went to the top of the table with their result against uh, Villa. Uh, this closely followed by Cardiff, who were top. Uh, Sheffield United still in amongst them as well, James. Yeah, Wolves very impressive against Villa. Um, I'd have to hold my hands up because I said on this podcast last week, Villa were a big price, and that you know they'd won four in a row going into the game, and I quite fancied them to keep that up. But I think um, as far as acid, acid Tesco, Wolves. Wolves had one last week and they passed it with flying colours against one of one of the division's bigger teams. Um, they showed why they are the favourites to win the league and 
I think at this stage it'd take a brave man to pick anyone else. Um, but just below them, you've you've got um, as you say Cardiff and Sheffield United. Um, Sheffield United continue to be the surprise package, um, a bit like Huddersfield last year. No one really expected them to be up there. One of the pre-season favourites to to be battling relegation, and they've proved everyone wrong, and they continue to do so. Can't speak highly enough of the job Chris Wilder's doing there. Uh, wonderful manager, fantastic manager. If you're looking for a boss outside of the Premier League, he's he's the man. He's he's doing just working wonders um, at Bramall Lane. Um, they host Reading. Um, so it's no, another difficult game but um, I think Sheffield United have lost only once at home this season uh, and they've won the rest so um, you know they'll be confident of picking up another three points Cardiff go to Borough who um, are having a disappointing season we spoke quite a bit about Gary Monk last week um, and we said that he had a, it was a big game for him they went to Barnsley one of the one of the divisions or who were tipped to be one of the division strugglers and only came away with a point so they're still very much marooned in mid-table Wolves go to Preston. Um, Preston, good side, doing very well under Alex Neal. I think the fourth or fifth. Um, so that that's maybe the pick of the games. But I think um, I think if you're looking at one fixture and one fixture to watch this weekend, it'd have to be uh, the Old Farm Derby on Sunday lunchtime between Ipswich and Norwich, the East Anglian Derby. Always um, always a very feisty affair. Uh, one of the more underrated derbies, I think. Yeah, it's a, it's one of the derbies that. Um... I actually really, really enjoy watching because it's still got that kind of feistiness in the crowd as well, especially the crowd always seem really up for yeah, it. Yeah, I think there's um, there's quite a distance between the two clubs geographically, I think about 40 miles apart or something, but um, there is a bit of a, a bit of a wilderness of football clubs in that part of the world and, <laughs> and, and they are, they are you know, genuinely the, the, the two, two closest and the you know, two biggest rivals. I, mean, I think they still, um, they still operate the old bubble buses for that game, which which yeah. sort, of, sort of suggests how big it is. Uh, and I think just one other game to keep an eye on um, is Sheffield Wednesday's trip to Derby. Both sides not doing as well as they'd like. Derby got a real morale-boosting win against their big rivals, Nottingham Forest, last week. Um, Sheffield Wednesday, dismal in their defeat at Bolton. Uh, and if they were to lose again at Pride Park, I think that might be that for Carlos Carvalho. Absolutely, I say it's not going too well for Sheffield Wednesday. That is us done for this week on the Mirror Football Podcast. We will be back uh, similar time, uh, similar time, same place. Uh, you can find us on the Mirror Football uh, social media channels uh, next week. Uh, until then, uh, enjoy all the weekend's action. How are you doing there? It is David from the David McWilliams podcast, and this is a Staycast from Acast. We're all following the government's advice right now. We're staying in. It's a little bit cocooning, but it's all working. So while you're staying at home, here's a recommendation of another great podcast. It's the Blind Boy podcast. He's an old mate. He's a great skin. He has extraordinarily interesting views of the world. Check it out.